the house of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Today, what I'm going to be talking about is living to please God. How many guys know that in life we live to please others? How many guys know know about that? Amen. We always care about how we look, what we have. You know, do I have the latest iPhone? Do I have the latest this or the latest that? We're always here trying to please other people and and worried about what they think. And in the same time, we forget about what God, God wants for us. See, our duties here on earth is to please God. Tell your neighbor, our duties is to please God. But instead, we find ourselves trying to please the peers in our lives. Amen? How many know what I'm talking about? Amen? We have to one-up our peers. Amen? We got to be more success, more successful than our peers. And at the same time we do that, it's displeasing to what God has for us. Amen? Because we're more focused on the material things in life than we are on the blessing that God has for us. See, we have to come back and focus in just pleasing God. If we can be a church that pleases God, we're going to be a church on fire. Amen? If we're going to be a church that's going to please God, He's going to give us the abundance that we need. But if we're going to do it for ourselves, then He's going to say, you're just like everybody else. And I'm going to pass on to the next one. How many know that we can have a church that doesn't please God? The Israelites were constantly doing that. If you read the, if you read the word, they were constantly having the church idols that they, they worshiped. They had all kinds of things that they worshiped and they never once realized that they were not pleasing God. And that's what this next generation that I see is coming out and because they're confusing everybody. One church says it's okay to do this. Another church says it's not. One church says it's okay if you go and have a drink, and one church says it's not. One church says it's okay to smoke, and the other one says it's not. How will we know? The only way to know is if you're reading the Word. If you're listening to what everybody says, then you're always going to be wrong. Because God has a certain thing that He does to you when you read the Word. If, there, if he didn't have a relationship with you, he gives you certain things that, that only you will understand when he talks to you. But the only way you're going to do that is if you have a relationship with him. Amen? See, Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonia. And he's giving them instructions on how to please God. How many of you guys want the instructions? Amen? See, it's right here in the, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. If you guys can, afterwards, I know I'm going to preach on it, but afterwards, study on what, what these instructions are. Because I'm only going to give you a 30-minute version of what, I, what, I, what God has revealed to me. But see, God has certain things that He wants to reveal to you. There's, there's different angles that He's going to show you that are very important in your life. Because how many of you guys know that all of our lives are the same but different? We all have different things that we're dealing with right now. All of us have different stages in our lives that, that we're working on. Some of you might look perfect, but on the inside, you're falling apart. 
Amen? That's why it's important to, to know the instructions on what God has for us. See, a lot of people have this misconception that God loves to punish you. Amen? That's why you can't go any further because you're waiting for the big paddle. Amen? You're, how many guys know when you got in trouble when you were little, you, you knew that you're, one day you're going to have to come and, and own up to it. Amen? They're going to find out. And that's the reason why a lot of people can't get further in, in, in church because they're waiting for what God has for them. They're thinking that he's going to, you know, give me the big paddle. How many guys know that when we get, when we finally get correction, even from our parents, we felt better? A big weight was off of our shoulders when we were done and we were dealing with it. Today, a lot of you are just going to have to be done, deal with it, so you can move on to the next level. Because the more you're hiding from God, the more He's just, He's getting more angry at you. He's saying, you know what? You can just deal with this little problem, but the more you wait, you're, you're getting me upset now. How many of you guys know, well, well, as parents, if you just own up to it, it will be a lot less painful than trying to lie your way out of it. Amen? So if we're here and we're dealing with all kinds of stuff and we have all these problems that we have in our lives and we don't own up to it, that's not a way to please God. A way to please God is saying, you know what, I'm a sinner. Forgive me for my sins. I'm sorry for what I've done. Lord, please let me be in your mercy and your grace and thank you for everything that you have done. That's as hard as it gets. And when God deals with you, He's gonna, it's going to be something special because you're going to feel the weight off of your shoulders. A lot of you are hunchback because you have all that weight on your shoulders. You come into church like this because it's heavy. Everything you're carrying on your shoulders is so heavy that you can't even walk upright and, and, and with that right posture and just with your head up. You're always with your head down because of all that weight on your shoulders. But if we're doing what we we're supposed to to please God, how many of you guys know you're going to stand upright? Amen? Because God is going to give you the righteousness and you're going to feel it and you're going to be standing up and you're going to be, nothing's going to be able to come against you. That's why you're always bumping into things because your head's down low. You don't even see the wall in front of you. Amen. How many of you here want to please God? Amen. Amen. Eight of you. Thought I could stop now, but got to wait till all you guys get it. See, the word Lord is a person that has authority, control, or power over others. Right? So this word Lord, when you're praying and you say, Lord Jesus or Lord God, that means He has the control and the power over you. But how many know that we're denying Him the control over us by our own will getting in the way? So, when we call Him Lord, we're actually being false. Because we're not letting Him be Lord over our lives. We're just saying it out loud so other people can hear us. And again, pleasing others. Because if I pray loud, if I'm praying loud, then others will think I'm holy. Amen? 
If I pray loud and I say, Lord Jesus and Lord this and Lord that. But if He has no control or power over your life, then He's not your Lord. And the word Savior is a person who saves and rescues and delivers. So, if we use these words, Lord and Savior, this means we have to submit to God's control. We're going to have to submit to His power and His authority. Because His authority is important. Because when we put our own will in front of His will, then we're saying we're in authority. See, point one that I have is following the instructions. I wanted to lay this out because a lot of people don't know what they're saying even when they're praying. Lord is authority and control and power over, for power over others. The word Savior, a person who saves and rescued. How many guys have been rescued by God? How many guys have been saved by God? How many guys have been delivered by God? That's why we call Him Savior. We don't say it just to say it. We say it because we were in need of Him. Without Him, we wouldn't be here today. Amen? Without Him, we would not... We wouldn't be delivered today. There's a lot of things that He has done for us that we take for granted. And we put Him on the back burner. Even when the church hurts us, we hurt Him. Even when our work hurts us, we hurt Him. Even when our wives or our husbands hurt us, we hurt Him. Because we want to run away and we want to forget who saved us. We want to run away and we forget who delivered us. But it's not God's fault. This human race, if we stop pleasing them, we'll learn more how to please God. And we will be much more happy and joyful in our lives than trying to please others that could care less on what we have. Amen? How many, how many guys ever, ever said that? Like, this, per, this person's always getting things. You're like, I don't even care what they have. But they want to impress you. But they could care less if you have it or not. But that's what we do. We please God. We don't please God. We please others. If we please God, God will give us everything. God has already showed us that. When we please Him, how many guys ever got blessed with more than enough? Amen? How many guys ever got blessed with just abundance? That's what happens when you please God. But we get that abundance and we want it for ourselves. And we say, forget you, God. Thank you, but forget you. And you take off like if you stole something. He said, I gave it to you. You don't have to run. You could sit here and enjoy it. Enjoy it with me. But you take off and you run like if you stole something. See, following the Lord's instructions in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. It says right here, and I'm going to break it down. I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but the, it's up to verse 11. It says right here in Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, Finally, brothers, we instructed you on how to live in order to please God. Amen? As in fact, you, as you are living. Now we are ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. 
that you should avoid sexual immorality. Now it got quiet. That each one of you should learn to control his own body in a, in a way that is holy and honorable. See, the body is the temple of God. And people forget that. When we get saved, we don't realize that the body, our body is the temple of God. He lives in us. And every time we do something, he gets sad. We have to realize what we are letting into our temple. And he's talking about sexual immorality at the beginning. That's the first topic he comes up with because how many guys know that sexual immorality is everywhere? It's so funny how they wrote this 2,000 years ago, but we're, it's always current. The Bible's always current. Have you, that's kind of weird, isn't it? That every time that you read the Bible, it's always current. It never gets old. It's not like that was happening back then. No, it's happening now. The sexual immorality, you can't even watch a Carl's Jr. commercial without lusting, amen? After the burgers, of course, but... Amen? You're like, can I have a three-way? Amen? You're like, change the channel. What are you watching? A Carl's Jr. commercial? It's like, that's what you really need to sell a burger. Why don't you make a good burger and you don't have to do that? Amen? Come on, let's give the Lord a good clap offering. Amen? You've seen the girls at Carl's Jr. They don't look like that. Don't let them lie to you. Like you're going to go there and see a supermodel eating a burger like that. No, you're going to see so-and-so. Amen. You already know. I don't got to go there. How are they going to, you know, put that on advertisement and act like you're going to go, oh, man, I need that burger right now. Amen. No, but they got your attention. That's all they're trying to do is get your attention. That's the way sexual immorality is. It tries to get your attention. And once it gets your attention, then it could choke you out. Amen? Because we are human. And the devil knows what's going to attract us. Amen? The strongest man in the world, Samson, got attracted by a woman. Amen? That was the only thing that could take him out was a woman. Money, nothing else could take him out. But that woman, that sexual immorality got to him and stripped him of all of his strength. And that's what the devil tries to do to us with men or with women. He tries to get you in sexual immorality and strip you of all your strength because then you can't, you can't please God because you're, you're too busy trying to please yourself. Amen? And if you're married and you're looking at those things, you know you're going to get the look, amen? And once you get that look, you know you're in trouble, amen? See, if you get that look, you're not living holy. Because God has also given you that look. It's not just your wife or your husband, it's God too. Because God lives in you. God is the temple, Amen? And he lives in you. Amen? See, sexual immorality 
is growing fast in a lot of ways. There's everything. Before, a lot of things were censored on TV. You know, we were, me and my wife, we, we liked this one cartoon for our son, and then we find out that they say that the, the, one of the kids has two dads. They're starting to creep in so much that it's going to be harder for our next generation to please God if they don't know what is right. It's up to us to teach them that homosexuality, sleeping around pornography, and watching all the, the, the things that are going on now is not right. How many guys ever were told, don't look at that when you were younger? That's what we have to do and continue to do that to our kids. We can't put down our guard because if we put down our guard, they're not going to realize that that is wrong. See, this is what the, the world wants us to do is fall into the trap of sexual immorality. Because if they got you trapped in there, then they're going to take you wherever they want you to go. Amen? The second one is... It's learn how to control its own body in the way that is holy and honorable. See, if you have to look over your shoulder in what you're doing, then it's probably not holy and honorable. Amen? Who's looking at me? Amen? If you're constantly looking around to see what you're going to do in your next move, then it's probably not honorable and holy. Amen? These are just three quick things. If you have to lock your door so nobody catches you, then you're probably not doing something honorable. Amen? See some of you guys smiling. Amen? If you act paranoid when somebody asks you a question, like how you're doing, oh, why, what, what, what happened? What's happening? Why? What, what's going on? You're like, I'm just saying, how are you doing today? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about, amen? Then you're probably not doing something honorable. See, marriage and divorce are both the common experiences. In our culture, more than 90% of people, many by the age of 50, have been married. See, marriage is not only good for your children, but it's good for you. Because it mentally and physically is healthy, Amen? Because you have a partner that's going to help you. A partner that's going to deal with you. A partner that's going to know you. That's why marriage is so good. They are also good for our children growing up in a happy home. And it protects our children from mental, physical, and educational and social problems. Amen? How many guys know that that's so true? Because if you grew up in a home that was broken then you know that you were physically damaged, you were mentally damaged, your education wasn't up to par, and you were socially had problems. That's why we need to be, we need to cut the, we need to cut that curse off, and we need to be families that are together, united, amen? That grow together, not being in the the broken homes, not doing the same mistakes that our parents and our forefathers did, Amen? Because it hurts our children. I remember uh, one of the one of our close friends. She used to get she used to get beat when she was pregnant, 
And I remember that her son came out like that. Emotionally all damaged and, and just always wanted to fight. And always wanted to be, you know, rowdy and everything. And you, you, you think, like, where did that come from? It was because that home was broken. Especially when your children are watching you yell and scream at each other and cuss each other out and, and, and throw things at each other. All that, kids retain what's happening. If you talk to your husband or wife, if you talk down to them, then guess what? Your, parent, your kids are going to start doing that. They're going to lose respect. If you don't have respect for your spouse, they're going to, your children are going to lose respect for them too. So we have to realize that in pleasing God, God, God's the one that made marriage. So He wants us to be tight and we want us to, to understand each other and, and take care of each other. Amen? See, verse 5, let's look at verse 5. It says, this one's talking about passion and lust. Amen? It says in verse 5, not passionate lust like the heathens. Who do not know God. Amen. Now. The word heathen. Is important. Because we throw it around a lot. But we don't ever know what it really means. It's an individual. Or people that do not acknowledge God. So when they talk about heathens. It's people that do not acknowledge God. How many guys know that we act like heathens. When we get in our own little moods because we don't acknowledge what God wants for us. We stop caring about what is pleasing Him and only what is pleasing ourselves. And that's what is passionate and lust. Amen? See, the, the word lust is a passionate, overmastering desire or craving. Amen? How many guys know that the craving is what makes you lust? Some of you had the craving... For a Coke, a 32-ounce, amen? My wife, amen? Some of you have craving for drugs. Some of you have cravings for sexual immorality. Some of you have cravings to just hurt people. That's what lust is, is the desire to do it. He says, don't be passionate in the lust like the heathens. Who don't know God. The heathens. That's who doesn't acknowledge God. See. If we learn to lust after God. Then we're not going to have a problem. Because we're going to crave for him. We're going to have that craving. Of being in service. Before service starts. We're going to want to get to church. And not miss prayer in the, in the beginning. We're going to want to get to church. To worship God. Because that's our craving. We're going to want to pray for people. We're going to want to uplift people. Because that's what the craving of God is. It's not to, to build ourselves up. It's to build others up. The desire and the craving. That's what's most important in the house of God. What are you lusting for? Are you lusting for the things of the world? So when you come up to the church, everybody can talk, to, talk about you in the wrong way? Or are you lusting after the things that God has? So when everybody talks about you, they're like, that brother and sister is a good brother and sister. They keep their word. They, You know what? I can trust them with my kids. I can trust them with my life. I can trust them with whatever I, 
I need to trust them with. That's what kind of church we need to be. Because a lot of churches, they don't have that trust anymore. They've been hurt by other people in the church. And if we're a church that lusts after God and has a desire for God, we're going to be here. We're going to be on fire. We're going to be holy. We're going to, you know, just set this place in a different atmosphere. So when people walk in, they can feel the love of God and not the hatred of our human nature. Because people feel that when they walk in. They feel that and they say, wow, I, I, I don't feel right here. They feel like this is the wrong place to be. But if we're desiring God and we're praying and we have that craving for Him, we're going to be a, a church that people are going to want to come to. That's the saddest thing if you can't be a church that people want to go to. In verse 7 it says, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. The best way to have a holy life is to have a communication with God. If you don't have communication with God, then you don't, you're not living a holy life. I don't care how nice you are. Because God gives us instructions on a daily basis. That's why we're supposed to read our word in the morning so God can guide us. You're always falling into that trap because you never read the word. You never have that joy and that peace in the morning because you don't have that comfort of God guiding you and putting your steps in forward. Amen? It's up to us if we're going to have a holy life or not. Tell your neighbor it's your choice. There's so much things in, in the world that we can put in front of God. You know, we have our favorite TV shows. We have our kids. We have our hunger pains that we put. And we never give God the time that he needs. He's trying to tell us. Some of you guys today, he's trying to tell you what you've been asking for. But you're too busy for him. You've been asking for things. But you're too busy, so he can't communicate to you. Today I had a phone call from a, uh, from a lady, and she said, I've been trying to get a hold of you for a while. But if I never call her back, or if I never respond, I would never know that. And that's the same thing with God. He's trying to respond to some of us. But it's up to us just to listen, communicate. You guys don't have to be in that Thou is the Lord prayer mode. He just wants communication the same way you would call your mom, call your dad. How are you doing today, God? How are you feeling? What's going on up there? Just let that communication level be as easy as that, and God will communicate with you. We don't have to be, you know, all, all you know, and all white and with the prayer cloth over our head and everything. He just says, communicate. In verse 11, it says right here, make it ambition to lead a quiet life. How many know that it's hard to do that? Because all of our peers in the world are leaving, are, 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 doing a, are having a loud life, amen? Are leading a loud life. So it's hard for us to be quiet. God wants us to lead a quiet life. 
to mind your own business and to work with your own hands. It says right here, just as we were told, just as we told you, so that you, your daily life may win the respect of the outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. These are instructions from long ago, way back. It says right here, to mind your own business. How many of you guys know that's hard, amen? The hardest thing to do is mind your own business. We like to eavesdrop, amen? We got them big old ears, amen? I can hear you from all the way over here. See, he said, well. See, he says right here, so that your daily life may win the respect of others. Does your daily life win the respect of others? Or are we always depending on others? That's the most important thing because in order for us to win the respect of others, we're going to have to put in work. Amen? It's so easy to depend on others. The easiest thing to do is depend on others because it's not going to take any work out of us. But God's saying, put your hands to work. Do what I've called you to do. That's the the thing that we have to do. We have to depend on God at all times. At all times, we've got to depend on God because we're going to re-earn the respect of others when we depend on God. In verse 8, it says, Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God. So, the thing that is good is I get to teach it, and if you reject it, you're not rejecting me. You're rejecting the words of God. It's not my words. This isn't the gospel of Manuel. This isn't the gospel uh, 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 of Pastor Edgy. This is the gospel of God. This is the gospel of Paul, one that put in the work and has the utmost respect. Amen? Because he even worked to, the, to, his, to his death. He did ministry and he worked. He wasn't one that just did ministry. He worked. It even says in the Bible that he worked because he didn't want nobody questioning what he had, what he did. He said, I, I'm going to work. I don't want you questioning me and saying, why aren't you working? Why are you paid by the church? Aren't you this and aren't you that? He goes, no, I'm going to put in my work so that I could earn the respect of others. And I'm going to show you how to do it. That's what's so cool about Paul. And that's why his gospel is very important because he was one that actually did it. See, in verse 18, it says, therefore, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. In verse 13, it says, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like if the rest of the men who have no hope. So in verse in, in part two, it says the coming of the Lord. How many guys know that God is coming? Amen. You can see it right now. Some of them already projected 2017. They projected everything. Amen. They projected Y2K. They projected all this. But how many guys know that God still is coming? 
We don't know the time or the day, but he's coming. Amen? The words right here, fall asleep, mean the dead. There was no hope in death. How many guys know that there's no hope in death? That's why when God rose again, there was hope in Jesus. Because we know that he's still alive. If, if Jesus died, we wouldn't have the same hope that we have now today. Amen? We have a living God. One that, that understands us. We have a living God that, one, that rose from the dead. Amen? See, there is hope in life. See, God is not dead, so we can't treat him like he's dead. In Luke, in, in verse 14, it says, We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. How many of you guys have anybody that's, that's died? Amen? And one day you're going to, when we rise again, you're going to meet up with them. Amen? And that's some hope that we're going to have to build on. The hope that we're going to have to build on is that Jesus is coming for us. So if Jesus is coming for us, guess what? We're going to have to be ready. If you're not ready, how many guys know that you're going to be left behind? If you're Mexican, you know about that. Amen? If you're not ready by a certain time, well, by, by mom's timing, amen, you're going to be left behind. Amen? I know because I've been left behind before. And it wasn't fun. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, it talks about being left behind. If you have a relationship with God, if you want to please God, one day we're going to be up there in heaven with Him. To please God, we need to be ready. We can't be swaying. We can't be going about our own business. We got to do what God's called us to do. And what God has called us to do is spread the good news. Amen? Because how many of you guys know that some people out there, especially in these communities, they're not ready. They're not ready for God coming back. If you look on the news, these people that are rioting, they're people that are going crazy. They're just finding any reason to do mischief. They're not ready, but we have to be louder than them. We can't be involved in what they're doing. We got to be ready. Amen? It says right here in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, it says, But about that day or the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven. Amen? So the more you pray about when God's coming, not even the angels are no. You're not going to get that answer. It's not going to be a, a license to sin until that last hour. Amen? Nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the, in the days of Noah. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving marriage up to the day of Noah entered into the ark. What is that saying? That people were partying. People were trying to do their own thing. Up to the day that Noah told them. And that's what's being promoted more than anything today. Party, get drunk, live your own life. Don't be, don't, don't let people uh, uh, judge you. Don't, don't let these things bother you. It says right here that they were drinking, marrying, giving a marriage up to the days that Noah entered into the ark. Up to the last day. And guess what? 
They couldn't enter. They couldn't go. That flood captured him and they died. Amen? Entered into the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until that flood came and took them all away. See, that is how the will, that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. That's Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. It's up to you guys to be ready. It's up to us to be ready. It says right here in verse 40, it says two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other would be left. Isn't that scary? That you can be talking to your husband or your wife, or you can be with your kids, and by you not pleasing God, that one of them would be taken, and you would be left behind. Isn't that scary? See, the word has never changed from the beginning when they wrote it, to now it just became more real because this is the time that we need to please God more than ever we need to be the church that's pleasing God because many people are being lost nowadays what if you were at a prayer meeting and they're gone you're right here praying because you're still not pleasing God God looks at the heart he's not looking at what you say He's not looking at what you're doing. He's not looking at your hand motions. He's looking at your heart and where your heart is. The reason why I brought this message out today is because we have to be ready. I like preaching on Thursdays because I could be more real. I could say I could say it in this raw text. I don't have to candy coat anything because you guys know better. You guys already know better. And if you're not pleasing God, then you're not going to make it on that day. If you're not pleasing God, and you're just trying to please others, you're going to be here with those others suffering. You're going to be here with those others crying that you didn't make it. Because you're too busy thinking about material things. You were too busy about pleasing others. You were too busy pleasing man and not God. And God said, be ready, amen? Come on, let us all stand right now. As we all bow our heads... I'm going to open up these altars. If you feel like you're just not pleasing God, if you feel like you know you can do better, if you feel like there's weights on your shoulders that you've been trying to deal with, I'm going to open up these altars right now. and Just come on down. We'll pray with you. like you know you've been giving your life to the wrong things if you feel like you you just been you haven't been focusing on the things that God wants you to do 
going to open up these altars right now. And finally, if you feel like you're not ready, if God was going to come today, if you feel like you're not ready, I want to pray with you right now. If you would be left behind, I'm going to pray with you right now. Because we want to make sure that you're ready. We don't want to see any of you left behind. All of you are our family. We want to make sure that everybody makes it that day. So I just want to pray with you right now. So come on down. If you need prayer, just come on down. Amen.